This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. The Jason Kavnis Experience is brought to you by Kavnis HR. Small businesses lose an average of $10,000 per small business employee and small business owners spend 25% of their time on HR. Time better spent taking care of employees, customers, and building their business. This is costing small business owners valuable time and money. Cavernous HR is solving this by delivering HR to companies with 49 or fewer people across the U.S. through a voice-enabled AI platform along with a HR business partner. Cavernous HR, focus on your business. We've got your HR. Before we start the podcast, I want to remind you to join my text community at 830-400-4523. I am texting about HR and startups and entrepreneurship and other interesting items. Send me your questions on these and other items. So once again, text me at 830-400-4523. Now on to this great podcast episode. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavanagh's Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavanagh. Our guest today is John Elder. After working for a few years after graduating from the University of Washington in 2010, John grew impatient with the progression of income at his corporate commercial construction job. After doing months of research on his own, he started his Amazon FBA business in 2014 with a humble golfing product and soon became the number one seller in the category. Within a few years, he was doing multiple millions in sales on the Amazon platform thanks to multiple brands and ever-expanding product lines. In just under five years, he did over 10 million in total sales. In 2018, he reached out to a business broker and sold for a mid-seven-figure exit in 2019. He is now helping sellers new and old achieve the same level of success at Black Label Advisor. So John, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So John, first question, what Amazon FBA, what does FBA stand for? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that basically stands for fulfilled by Amazon. And so for anyone listening, it's another way of saying, um, you know, who's actually packing and prepping your products. Um, fulfilled by Amazon means that all your products from your factory uh, end up going to an Amazon warehouse. And it, you probably have heard it in the news and, you know, uh, random warehouses, you know, catching on fire, but those warehouses all over the country are, are being built constantly. And that's where uh, third-party um, sellers uh, store their products. And then those products are packed and shipped by Amazon. So whenever you get an Amazon box that has, you know, the Amazon Prime tape, which is pretty common, um, that is because it didn't really come from the third-party seller. It actually got shipped from an Amazon warehouse. And so your buyer says number one sell in the product category. What does that, what does that mean? Um, so like, uh, for example, I'll just take uh, like the golfing category, just because it was my first product. Uh, within the golfing category, you have um, all sorts of products. You know, you have golfing bags, you have golf clubs. And so a category of golf clubs is a category uh, within the, the master category of golfing. Um, so one of my golfing products was in a sub niche and uh, had probably like, gosh, maybe like five competitors at the time and uh, launched in there. And then over time, 
uh, became the number one seller. Um, and then, you know, it's funny over a couple years that category actually expanded to 25 sellers. So, <laughs> so the competition became fierce over, over a couple years. So who determines that? Like who like actually comes with the numbers and says you're number one, you're number two, Amazon does that or outside yeah. resource. Yeah. So everything on Amazon is internal to their algorithm. And so that includes their search algorithm results, um, how PPC works with advertising, everything is part of their ecosystem. So if you are selling, um, you know, if you're increasing your sales over time, that's called sales velocity. And so that goes into an algorithm and they end up pushing you up higher and higher on the search results on amazon.com. Um, you know, if you search that specific product or search like a radio, if you become, you know, the number one seller, that's basically Amazon letting customers know that you are trustworthy and you have the number one seller badge. And so you get these badges, um, as a way of building trust with, with consumers. Um, and it's, it's a way to show, um, you know, the customers that, you know, this seller is, you know, doing really well and lots of other people buy from this seller and, um, it's a way to develop trust. So John, I believe that's on your website. You have a statement that says that you're passionate about teaching others. Can you talk about that and what that means to you? Yeah. Yeah. So that can't actually came out of my exit. So, um, in 2019, when I sold my business uh, to a private entity, it was actually a husband and wife team. Um, and part, and if, if you know, for anyone listening, when you exit an e-commerce business, there's always a clause in your contract that requires training. And so, um, there was some heavy, intense training that was done, uh, with, uh, the buyer of my business, you know, I'm going from spending five years, you know, running an Amazon business to training a buyer of my business who has 0% experience on Amazon. And so to to see them kind of pick up on everything and get educated really fast uh, was really um, you know fun for myself and just to see them take the business um, in a strong direction because of my training um, I just derived a lot of passion from that so that's that's when I kind of started thinking you know why not start uh, consulting and helping other sellers uh, do the same thing so John so we don't we don't have enough time for you to go into detail on this, this question but Explain how Amazon works. Like for me, example, I mean, for the longest time, I thought Amazon, like it's controlled everything. Amazon, like if you order a toothpaste or toilet paper or a microphone, Amazon made it, delivered it, all the whole nine yards, right? So it's actually a very complex back end to Amazon, right? Can you kind of explain yeah, that so, and how that works? Yeah, exactly. So most people think that, and I was in this group too. I mean, I thought that everything on Amazon was. Uh, managed and owned by Amazon. I never even heard of third-party sellers. And so a lot of people don't realize this is the majority of products on amazon.com are actually sold by third-party sellers. So Amazon couldn't really exist without them. You know, th these are people who create new products all the time and new ideas and sell um, to consumers. And um it's just, it's a really interesting thing because a lot of people still actually think that, that Amazon controls everything. So just to give like a quick rundown, um, uh, if you are an FBA seller, you are basically taking um, products that you made um, either in America or, or overseas and shipping it to uh, Amazon warehouses. And so Amazon, they are your, basically your um, fulfillment center. Um, and a lot of companies um, who have their own dedicated websites, um, they actually have to hire their own fulfillment warehouses. 
uh, to, you know, to fulfill those orders from their website. So when you're selling on Amazon, Amazon is obviously the number one place to go for, for customers. And when they purchase something, your um, inventory is stored there at Amazon and uh, Amazon, you know, puts it in the box, ships it and tracks it. And all the emails that you get from Amazon is coming from Amazon and not from me. Um, so that's kind of like a big picture, you know, how it works. And there, there's a, there is a segment of uh, people on Amazon who do wholesale and retail arbitrage. Wholesale is, you know, buying, um, you know, a thousand pairs of uh, Nike shoes at a discounted rate. And then you hop on the listing on Amazon as a competitor for pricing. Um, that's a really common strategy. Um, I did a hundred percent private label. And so what that means it is you're taking an existing product that doesn't have a design patent or anything with it. And you're innovating that product and you're working with your factory to, you know, maybe change the color design, uh, change the features for the product and, you know, offer something new and fresh and really just solve a customer need uh, for that market. And, um, and then, and then you're selling as a private labeler. Um, the benefit to this and why I push so many people into private labels, because I have total control over my listing. So I don't have to deal with, you know, um, you know, people hopping on selling my products because you can only get my products if you bought from me through my factory. So, um, private label is really just a really powerful business strategy. So what percentage do people give Amazon to utilize their services? How does that work? Um, it ranges. It ranges from like, I think 10% to 20% for a referral fee. Um, that's that fee is basically to um, you're basically paying Amazon for using their platform. Um, and then there's also FBA fees. And so FBA fees uh, include the shipping and prep of your, your products uh, to the customer. Um, and then there's some small uh, storage fees as well uh, for using their warehouse space. So how does someone get approved to use Amazon? What's the process? Uh, it's actually really easy. So anyone can actually go on Amazon Seller Central and open up a uh, professional seller uh, selling account and, and start selling right away. So there's no, there isn't necessarily a restriction on anyone from doing it. And that's why um, there's hundreds of thousands of new Amazon sellers every year. And this is also why, you know, 85% fail. It's because everyone is hearing about it and everyone's launching at the same time. And they're making, you know, obviously, you know, horrible mistakes for their business. And then, you know, they're going bankrupt. <laughs> so John, so it's pretty easy to get on there. How yeah. does someone get kicked off the platform? Okay. So it's like, I deal with my clients, uh, you know, for this topic all the time, I'm always trying to encourage, um, you know, maintaining the terms of service and whatever Amazon says is their rule. You should follow their rule. And so a lot of people they'll go out to service companies and, you know, buy thousands of reviews that are clearly fake or manipulated. And, and then you show up on your listing and within one week you have 2000 reviews <laughs> that's automatic. You're going to get suspended for that. That's, you know, it's so dangerous to do things like that. Um, and then another, another way to get in big trouble is to, um, do so some guys will play dirty and they will submit infringement claims against other sellers, 
uh, you know, they'll claim like copyright issues or trademark issues. If you do a claim like that and submit that to Amazon, um, Amazon's legal team uh, does not enjoy going down a rabbit trail to find out that you lied about that. So if you, if you're trying to play dirty that way, Amazon will find out. And that's a really good way to get suspended. So general Amazon is a judge and jury on all matters concerning Amazon. They are, but they the way you utilize third party lawyers to represent yourself uh, is actually really interesting. So uh, whenever there is a disagreement over like trademarks or a design patent, um, that's actually where your um, own lawyer will, will come into play and e-commerce lawyers are out there and they will actually talk directly with the Amazon teams on your behalf and resolve whatever issue, you know, it, it is. And typically most of the time from my experience, it's been someone who, um, you know, tried to claim that I was infringing on their trademark or infringing on their uh, design patent when it was clearly false. And so that's when you get, you know, you have get some help and and they tackle that issue and get you cleared with Amazon. So for Amazon, like I have a theory that pretty soon it's going to be Amazon everything, right? Is there anything Amazon can't get into? Like there's, you know, there's Amazon books, there's Amazon this, Amazon that. Yeah. What's, what's the, what's the limit for Amazon or is there a well, limit? You know, my, it's funny. My, so my brother is, he's, he's really high up in, on the financial side in Amazon. And I've asked him about that and their, so their goal really is to take over and become the number one leader in almost every single industry in, in the United States. So What's weird about that is typically someone would be like, oh, that's a monopoly. But actually, a monopoly is where you, um, you know, you're the only seller in that industry. So, you know, they can go into grocery and have, you know, in grocery stores and, you know, now they own Whole Foods. That's actually allowed, right? Even though they're big, they, they can do that legally because there's still, you know, competition from Kroger and Safeway. Um, so it's, I don't think there's anything stopping Amazon per se. I think that the biggest thing that might be an issue for Amazon is uh, they do uh, manipulate their algorithm to benefit their products. So they have their own private label products. Um, and they're actually, there's a couple of lawsuits going on right now and it's going to take years to get through. But um, I, I, I've experienced it. Other people have experienced it where it's, it's pretty obvious that the algorithm is being manipulated to, you know, to help their listings. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I read recently on whether Amazon is going to be buying the um, all the old Sears and you know, you know, JC buildings and, and turn those to a fulfillment center. So I thought it was genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, definitely definitely a possibility. Yeah. So talk about the counterfeit problem on Amazon, or is there even, or is there a counterfeit problem on Amazon? Yeah, it it's it's definitely. So if I explained it this way, you know, let's say I have a. Um, I'll just go back to my radio example. I sell a unique radio and I'm the only seller on my listing because I'm private label. This is my product. This is my trademark. It's trademarked to the federal government. Uh, no one else is allowed to use that trademark. So if someone hops onto my listing and is trying to sell for a lower price, what that is, is that is most likely someone from China. Um, and they are, um, they have some sort of relationship uh, with a, another factory. Um, in their factory is mimicking my product. And so the reason why that's a counterfeit item is because they never got permission 
to sell my product. And so what they, what they did really is they copied my entire design and I can't, um, you know, maintain that, that trust with the consumer because, you know, if their radio is not as good quality as my radio, they shouldn't be on my listing. And so, um, that is the most common issue. And those are, those are very typical hijacker situations where they, they try to undercut your pricing for, for a couple of days and make as much money as possible. Typically what happens is the customers will see that lower price, they'll order from that person and then they'll get their radio and it's complete junk. So, um, they, they typically disappear on their own and the guys that, you know, want to stay as long as possible. That's when there's, there's programs in Amazon, you know, brand registry, um, project zero. And those are, those are programs where all I have to do is submit my claim to Amazon and say, Hey, this hijacker is losing, is using my trademark. Um, you know, I can't, you know, I can't maintain my warranty with my customers because I have no idea about the authenticity of this product. So do most of counterfeiters come from uh, other nations or, or, or some of them actually from the United States? Some are from the United States, but it's really obvious. 99% of the time it was from China. So in, you can pretty much, you know, figure that out because if you look at, you know, the email address or, um, you know, how they communicate over customer service, um, you could tell just because I, you know, I've talked with, you know, over a dozen, you know, Chinese factories it's, you can just tell with how the English is formatted, um, that it's someone overseas. And sometimes you'll have, you know, you'll have just a, just a a foolish person who's trying to do that in America. And, and, you know, it's funny because they're trying to cheat the system a little bit. And then once I report you, you're done, you know, your, your selling privileges are gone like overnight (laughs) because you're infringing on my intellectual property. So, you know, legally, um, I always came down harsh on those hijackers because I worked hard, you know, for the design and the trademark and, um, you know, all the different features. And so, um, I wasn't going to allow anyone to try to hijack my listing. So John, like Amazon, you know, people think of Amazon, this big corporation making billions and not trillions of dollars, you know, you know, they have a lot of bad rep, you know, but is Amazon actually good for small business owners? That man, that's that is a hugely loaded question because there's so many dynamics to it. So you could take the approach of, you know, has the American, you know, customer benefited from Amazon? And I would say yes. You know, if you look at their their uh, Fire TV system, um, you know, uh, their grocery stores, um, you know, down to you know media content. And getting your products in, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours, it's pretty incredible what they've done. Um, on the other hand, they, they, Amazon does not provide the protection that a lot of us sellers uh, want. And the reason why is because a lot of um, foreigners will actually uh, create multiple Amazon accounts and they're able to do that because nothing they do on Amazon is tied to a social security number or an LLC number. Um, as an American seller, everything's tied to, so I have one IP address, you know, I have one social security number and I have one LLC. So everything's tied to that. So if I get suspended, you know, I'm done. <laughs> so a foreigner doesn't have to file that LLC. They don't have, they don't, you know, they obviously don't have, 
social security numbers. So I would have to, you know, you know, really fight hard to get reinstated on Amazon. So it's really easy for um, people to go on Amazon and kind of cheat the system and make it really, really hard for uh, sellers. The other problem is that uh, Amazon does has zero um, interest in uh, protecting American businesses. And the reason why is because um, their platform is really driven by low costs. And so to get that low cost, they have to allow um, Chinese sellers. And so um, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, 40, 40% of uh, FBA sellers on Amazon uh, are, are Chinese. And so they don't, they don't live in America. They are, you know, most likely factories that are shipping from their factory, bypassing um, sellers in America and shipping directly to Amazon warehouses. Um, and so the reason why that's bad is because in the United States, you know, you have to pay taxes as, as a citizen. You have a higher cost of living in America. So your pricing, you know, is going to be higher. And so it's really, really hard to compete with um, lower priced competitors who are shipping directly from a Chinese factory. So one example, I had, I had a product that I, that I sold for $90 um, a unit. And I had a flood of competitors come out of nowhere selling for $45, $50. And I knew, you know, at the cost of what I paid, you know, f- from my factory, they, it had to be a factory from overseas because if you, you know, tack in um, shipping costs and taxes and all the FBA fees, they're, they're not making any profit, but they could be making profit if they are overseas. So um, that's, that was always, a big problem. And the only way to combat that is to come across um, and deliver on the highest quality to the consumer. And so I always try to price my products as probably the top 5% of sellers in that, in each category. Um, and I did that to basically maintain my margins for net profit. So John, talk about the process of you deciding to leave your corporate job and corporate, corporate America to do what you're doing now. Like how did that all come about? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, went to University of Washington, um, thought I was going to be a construction manager the rest of my life, um, you know, had a fantastic career, um, you know, soon realized that the progression of my salary was going to be a little slow compared to what I wanted it to be. Um, and so I didn't want to just wait around, you know, 15, 20 years to get to that peak. I wanted to hit the peak, you know, when I'm young. And, um, so I just started thinking about different opportunities. I started researching. Um, this was 2014, just to give some background date. Um, and uh, Amazon FBA kept popping up everywhere I read. And everyone was saying this, is, this was going to be the gold mine. This is going to be you know, an incredible opportunity for business owners. And so I um, started thinking about it. And I spent about six months of researching it um, and uh, launched it uh, while I was still... Uh, working at my corporate job. And so I built my business alongside my job uh, and then also having a newborn. <laughs> so it was a busy time in life. And, um, but it was doable because, and I talked to my wife about this too, the sacrifice of all the time that was lost was to build something big someday. And I knew the turnaround was going to be roughly five to seven years. And so my wife was on board for that. She's like, 
okay, you're at work all day. Then you have to spend some time, you know, at home, you know, doing emails with the Chinese factories. So she gave that up just knowing that the long-term vision was there uh, to build something uh, really special. Um, and then a couple years in uh, to Amazon, I decided to go full-time and uh, I waited until I proved to myself that I could cover uh, all of my family monthly expenses uh, with a salary that I would pay myself from the business. Uh, once I proved that, you know, I wanted to see that happen for six months. And so once I saw that that was happening, um, I was comfortable with leaving my corporate job and uh, diving full 100% into uh, Amazon. And then at that point, I got an office space in Dallas um, and just really focused on the business. So did you have to learn Chinese or most of them know English? So how did how the language you know, every, thing work out? Every, every factory actually knows English really well. So um, there's a little bit of broken English just because, you know, they're not speaking it all the time. So that's totally fine. So you, you just have to be patient and try to interpret, you know, exactly what they're saying. And I, I actually never did Skype with my factories. It was all over email. And uh, I was actually pretty surprised that the English was, was, was really, really strong. And so um, got up and running with my first order. I did a test order of 250 units because I was, you know, I'm low risk as a person. And just to get up to that point and make sure all the shipping labels were correct and, you know, setting up my, uh, my air shipping for that, uh, for that first shipment uh, was really smooth. So, I, you know, it, it's a matter of screening all your factories and making sure that you're not getting scammed. You know, that's a big one. <laughs> and uh, getting a partner who is, you know, trustworthy. So that was, that was huge. And just spending, spending a lot of time interviewing factories and asking some really tough questions. John, can you talk about the difference in like culture, both personal business cultures and dealing with, you know, people in China and the United States and all the, all, all these things involved with that? Uh, yeah, so like... You know, you hear that uh, manufacturers are hard to deal with um, in the United States. And I, I haven't worked with one here just because it wasn't feasible for those, you know, for all the product lines that I ran. Um, but when, when I was working with the Chinese factories, it was definitely a culture of they wanted to make it happen for me as a seller. And that was kind of interesting. So, you know, there was always um, a negotiation. You know, every single time when it came down to the uh, the pricing per unit or the shipping cost or timeframes, um, they really, 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 really tried to, um, you know, make it up to me. You know, if something went wrong, um, they would give me huge discounts on future orders. And so it was definitely this, a, a high quality of service uh, to make sure I was successful. Um, so I actually had a really, really good experience with each of my uh, partner factories. Um, and, um, yeah, I can't really speak to American manufacturers other than I've heard rumors that they're kind of hard to deal with. <laughs> so how does someone, like, how do you find these factories? Is there like a list you go to, or there's the point of contacts over there already? Like, yeah. I, I can imagine like just going to China to find a factory has to be like a pretty, yeah. you know, intensive thing to do, I would think. Yeah, there's so there's actually I I personally never went to China for my business once. So I worked with, you know, a dozen factories and, you know, had you know, gosh, probably like over a hundred SKUs. And so I have all these products and I'm shipping all these, you know, large orders. 
and I actually never stepped foot in China. So that's kind of an interesting thing too, uh, just for my story. But um, uh, re- remind me your question again. Uh, how does one? How does someone find a factory to work with in China? Uh, there's a website called Alibaba.com. Um, it's the worldwide number one website for finding and in finding um, uh, factories to work with. Uh, that's actually where I found each of my factories. Uh, there is a long process, just so the viewers are aware of you know screening and making sure that you're you know getting samples from multiple factories and comparing quality. Um, so that's definitely something that um, there's a process for. There's a lot of scammers on Alibaba. There's you know that's just the reality of it. You know, everyone, everyone's on there. It's the place to go. There's a lot of ignorant sellers who will, you know, send checks, uh, you know, via Western union and then their money's gone. You know, those are, those are the types of situations that are very common. Um, but yeah, Alibaba's were, where I found, uh, each of my factories and it was a really smooth process actually. John, how should someone decide what to sell on Amazon? Like someone starting out, I want to be Amazon seller. How do they decide what they want to sell? Yeah, yeah, that's that's that is um, a question that I think everyone asks. Obviously, everyone wants to, you know, right now everyone wants to be on Amazon FBA. They want to, you know, you know, just kill it with their business. Um, the reality is that it takes a lot of time to find the right product. Um, and so some just simple mechanics is, uh, uh, just, you know, seeking out a product that has, you know, net profit of at least 25%. Um, and that's achievable. Uh, if you're, if you're really, really selective for products, um, also thinking about, uh, long-term, can I increase my, you know, number of products for my brand, uh, for a specific, um, industry, uh, you know, just focusing on a product that you actually have interest in. So each of my products I had interest in, just, just general interest. Uh, I was in sporting goods. I sold um, men's leather goods, which I loved. Um, and then um, I had a son. Uh, so he was uh, inspiration for an outdoor uh, kids toy company. So um, all of those things were part of my life in some way. And so that's something that I really encourage uh, to people is to just focus on an industry or a product that you're actually interested in. Um, there's going to be, you know, bumps in the road over time and to, you know, sometimes you're going to have to work extra hours at night. That's just the reality of it. And you're going to have to ask yourself, is this worth it? And so it's really important to be vested into that, into that product. So John, I mean, this is another little question, but on average, like how long does it take to be successful at Amazon? It's like, like as entrepreneurs, you know, you're not gonna be Mark Zuckerberg or six a month, you know, you just, you know, yeah. like most people don't realize that Steve Jobs took eight years to make Apple, Apple, right? Yeah. Is a process that long, that short? Like what can people expect? Well, um, it, so it all, it all depends on how much cash and capital you have in the, from day one. So I started with $5,000 in cash and slowly built my business. Um, so I went from $0 in revenue to my first year, I did over $100,000 in revenue. And then I did over a million in my second year. And then I did over 3 million in my third year. And so that jump um, happened because I infused my business with capital, uh, just from uh, credit lines uh, with large banks, um, and small loans uh, from lending companies. So uh, it all depends on 
um, you know, your capital availability. Now, if you, if you start you're right out of the gate and you have $50,000, $100,000, you're going to grow incredibly fast compared to my story because, you know, I, I bootstrapped at 5,000. Um, so that's something that people have to keep in mind too, is the more money that you have available to you, the faster you're going to get up and running. But if you do, if you are limited with cash, it's okay to start small and grow small. That's exactly what I did. I just invest, I reinvested all of my profits and I did over a hundred thousand my first year. And so to me, that was a huge success. And I just kept growing and replicating and, you know, repeating all those steps. John, how does Amazon reviews work? Like suppose you go in there, you type in the socks, right? And you know, there's a sponsor thing and then there's a different page, right? Like me personally, if you know the first page, I don't go anywhere else, right? Like, is that, does that work the same as like regular SEO and regular websites or is that algorithm or how does that work? It's all based on the algorithm. Uh, the reviews play, you know, a huge part into that algorithm. Um, some of the big things um, that are really important are sales velocity. So when you first start your listing, you want kind of like a nice steady increase of sales over time. Um, that is going to slowly boost you up in the rankings. Um, having um, at least at least like four and a half stars on your listing. Um, and, you know, that's that's manageable if you're selling a high quality product. If you're selling junk, that's just never going to happen. But if you're selling a, a strong uh, product, um, you should expect those higher reviews to come in. So the higher the reviews, um, the uh, stronger you're going to be in the search rankings. So how does this work? Like, suppose you, you're selling a product and someone leaves a bad review, right? Give you one star to so the bad things. So you research like, this person never bought anything for me, right? Like, what is, what's going on here? Like, how do yeah. you get rid of that review? Yeah, you can actually um, you can actually leave reviews if you haven't purchased. So it's it's there's something there's a badge on uh, on Amazon for every review, and some reviews will have verified purchase uh, on there, and that's to show you as a consumer. Oh, okay, this person actually purchased you know the product. Um, so as a seller, you can it's it's actually hard to get it removed. Uh, but if it's, if it's an FBA shipping issue, uh, as a seller, you're not responsible for shipping problems. Um, so that's something where you can get that removed instantly. Um, if someone randomly leaves a review and they never purchased from you, um, you can definitely open up a case and get that removed. Um, that takes a little bit of time just because Amazon really values their review system and they don't like removing reviews. Um, just because a seller is asking for it. So you, you need to provide evidence, you know, for your situation. And then if someone purchased your product and left a nasty one-star review, which happens to, to all sellers, um, the best thing to do actually is to respond as the business owner to that review and, and, and say, um, you know, something like, I'm sorry, you had a bad experience. Please reach out. We'd love to make it up to you. We love to refund you. And so even if they never remove their negative review, other customers will see that you were proactive uh, trying to fix the situation. So John, let's say you have a product, you're selling it. What do you have to do to make sure it shows up when someone types in your product? For example, like, like I said, you type in socks, I have the Jason sock company. How do I make sure my company, my product tops up on the first, on the first page? Yeah, it, it, it's always a journey to get to the first page. The goal of any seller is get your listing to the first page as soon as possible because very, very few people ever click page two. <laughs> 
that's just, that's just how it is. And so you have to, you know, spend money on PPC. So PPC is a uh, pay-per-click. Uh, that is, you know, all those ads you see on Amazon, uh, they're actually there because someone's, uh, that business owner is paying for their product to be listed there. Um, so there's a, there's all sorts of different spots uh, for paid advertising. Uh, and then honestly, Amazon's a pay for play environment. So the more money you spend on uh, PPC, uh, the higher uh, boost, you know, the bigger boost you're going to get uh, on your rankings. Um, so whenever I increase uh, my PPC expenditure, uh, I, I rose higher on the first page. <laughs> and the PPC, this is just internal to Amazon? This is all internal to Amazon. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing something else off the platform that's not going to help you. So it says the internal to Amazon. Uh, so that will help you. So let's, let's say you do uh, Facebook advertising. Um, if you drive um, customers to your Amazon listing from Facebook or Instagram um, and they make, let's say they make out of the blue, they're, they're making, you know, a high velocity of sales um, that is going to boost your algorithm ranking uh, because your velocity of sales suddenly saw an increase. So let's say someone's Amazon, they're a seller and they're pretty successful. Like you were like making, you know, millions of dollars. When should they think about selling the business? Like when are people interested in buying businesses like business brokers? Um, so, so, uh, there's actually always someone who's out there looking to buy a business. Um, so that, that never really changes. Um, especially, um, in a, in a, in an economy that's growing, um, you know, everyone's, everyone's story is different in terms of wanting to sell. I had a specific number on a vision board from day one. And so it was kind of a lofty goal and I never thought I'd actually, you know, hit it, but I ended up actually exiting for, um, you know, my, my goal number. And for me, um, it was just, it was time to do something else. It was time to, you know, uh, take some chips off the table and to do a mental reset. So for me, I, I enjoyed a, a long six month uh, mental sabbatical, you know, just enjoying time with family and uh, just enjoying walks uh, where we live. And part of that um, was just, I was so burned out from Amazon as well. I was ready, you know, to kind of be done with the business. Um, and um, part of it too is, you know, that was, that was my goal. I hit my goal number. And, I, and when I got my evaluation from a broker, I was stunned that they said that your business was valued that high. And so um, it was just one of those, um, it's, it's kind of one of those dream stories. You have that, you know, exit number you're looking at. And once you hit it, um, then you have to ask yourself, you know, are, are you ready to sell? And so I, I yeah. definitely was. Had yeah. to feel good that you, that you come to that goal. Yeah. Yeah. And some people keep going though. I mean, some people it's not, it's not a big deal, you know, to, to, to make, you know, those half a million purchase orders and just grow and grow and grow as a company. And some people take their business um, even higher. So that's, that's a personal um, decision that someone has to make for their business. John, let's go the opposite end of, of this. When should somebody quit? Like you're on Amazon for six months, no sales. Like when, like when should you quit? Um, you should quit if you're not, and, and people have to be honest with themselves if they have the capabilities to run an Amazon business. If you are launching products over and over again, and you're constantly in the red and your business is going bankrupt and you just are breaking rules, you know, <laughs> and if you're not patient, um, 
you know, it might be time to, you know, pursue a different type of business. Um, so Amazon is not for everybody. You know, I think the biggest lie is that, you know, it's anyone can do it. If they put their mind to it, you, you have to have patience. You have to be just focused on the net profit. It doesn't matter how much money you're making from sales. It matters how much you're making from your profit. And so you have to have a strong understanding of, you know, your costs. Um, FBA is a business that does require time. And so even with two employees, I was working between 10 and 15 hours a week on my business. And so, um, you know, there's all sorts of uh, moving parts um, that someone has to be okay with. And a lot of people aren't, and that's totally fine too. You know, there's, there's pros to, um, you know, going back to the corporate world, you know, you're not responsible for the company, you're responsible for your day job and that's it. And so, um, it's definitely much, much, excuse me, much more stressful than my day job was. So, um, someone has to have thick skin to do it. And, and if they're running a business and they're running into all sorts of headaches and they're just not finding joy, um, then it's time to quit. John, can you talk about your own company right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I run a black label advisor, um, like we spoke about earlier, um, that came about from uh, training the buyer of my business. Uh, so I work with clients, uh, from beginners to veterans, uh, trying to optimize their business to, uh, you know, to exit someday themselves. Uh, so I work exclusively with, um, FBA sellers on Amazon, um, uh, just work, working with them on an hourly basis as a consultant. And so I'm really their expert in their back pocket. And so whenever they need advice or, um, you know, um, a hijacker or, um, you know, some random, you know, uh, obstacle, uh, I'm there to help them because I've been through so many issues on Amazon. Um, and they, and you know, they just call me up and, and we walk through what, what it is. And then we, uh, we get through it together. So John, so how do you find your customers or how do you, are your customers find you? Uh, to be honest with you, I've been, I've been on podcasts, just sharing my story. Um, I, I talk a little bit, um, about my story and different, uh, Amazon groups on Facebook. And then, um, yeah. And then some people have found me organically, um, uh, through my website. Um, I have a strong background at SEO. So I've just been focusing on that, but, um, really it's just, um, it's just a lot of it's word, word of mouth. Um, the Amazon selling community is, uh, actually a lot smaller than people realize. Um, so, uh, people are finding me just, just hearing good things about my consulting services as well. So John, uh, so I'm pretty sure your target demographic is like Amazon sellers, but is it, yes. is it, is it smaller than that? It's like certain industries on Amazon or certain revenue streams or is it just Amazon sellers in general? You, just, you want to go to? It just has to be, um, an FBA, um, seller on Amazon. So I don't consult with uh, retail arbitrage or wholesalers just because I, it wouldn't be right for me to consult with those people because I don't have experience in those industries. Uh, but if you're into, you know, private labeling products and working, uh, with Amazon FBA, um, that's, that's where all my expertise is. So I always ask this question too, how do you go about firing a customer? Cause all customers aren't good customers. What's your process for that? I've like from a consulting aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thankfully I haven't had to fire anybody yet. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, so what I typically do, I do an intro call with potential clients and we just go through the expectations. And, um, you know, I've had people say, 
that that's not what I wanted out of the deal. And, you know, they walk away from that phone call. So I found that being extremely honest in that phone call and just helping them understand what you're going to get uh, from consulting really helps. Um, and so far, I have just wonderful clients that I work with um, who I really enjoy so far. John, so what's your vision of your, for your company? My vision? Um, that's a good question. I think... Um, well, there's a little bit of story on my, on my website that talks about that. Um, I didn't want to be just this huge consulting agency. I wanted to kind of provide, um, kind of like a VIP elitist consulting. Like high, high end brand name. Yeah, exactly. Service. So, so I, I definitely want to be an industry expert, um, with Amazon FBA and just focus on my, uh, clients, um, on a one by one basis. Um, so I, you know, I talk about it. I don't want to have a whole bunch of employees. Um, I'd rather just um, have fewer clients and really just go deep into their business and, and help them. And so I guess the long-term vision is just, um, um, you know, providing an honest, transparent uh, consulting service. Um, and at the end of the day, just helping people uh, grow their business. Does Amazon give you any help in your business? Like, do, do they give you like either any inside chips or anything like that? Or is all no, basically no, all information? Amazon is, Amazon is very, very um, closed off. So they're, they're very hush hush. Um, no one, and I know some people that have relationships with Amazon and even, even they are not getting uh, like secret information. So you, you really have to wait for Amazon to publish, publish the information. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? I sold on Amazon for five years and then I've been uh, consulting for, let's see, about f- four months now. Okay. I'm guessing you're, you consult worldwide, China, India, England, wherever the case may be. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I have a couple clients uh, overseas as well. Um, so what's been the craziest product that you've seen sold on Amazon? Oh man. The craziest product sold on Amazon. Oh, to be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of crazy stuff on there. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is a lot of crazy stuff, but um, let me think. Oh, you know what? It's a, um, <laughs> it's, um, have you seen those like, um, those light up, those light up um, uh, devices that you can put in toilets? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's I don't know. Some people like him. I just thought that's kind of silly. But you know, I don't need my I don't need a special design or a light to, to, to let <laughs> John. So I'm guessing people sell books. It's the same process to sell books on Amazon as to sell everything else. Uh, yeah. So Amazon, um, you have um, you know storage at Amazon for books, and so whenever you buy a book from Amazon, you're buying. Uh, either from the author or from a wholesaler, wholesaling company. Um, so it is, a, it is a similar process. Uh, there's a separate portal for books um, from um, uh, physical products that people buy, uh, but it is, it is similar. So everything's stored at Amazon. Is there anything that you're not allowed to sell on Amazon? Uh, yeah. So like a lot of uh, like toxic uh, materials, um, uh, anything that's uh, dangerous or hazardous, you can't sell on Amazon. Uh, there was, uh, this huge debate about whether or not people can sell face masks. So Amazon just started removing all the N95 masks, uh, when COVID hit. 
Um, so Amazon tries to uh, remove uh, products that could be dangerous or have false claims on the listing uh, for consumers. How does Amazon even go about like checking all this stuff, right? There's so many sellers, so many products. Like how do they like quality control all this? Yeah, it, it, well, it, it takes time, but honestly, um, they have extremely intelligent, uh, AI software. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so they're, they're using <laughs> robots pretty much. <laughs> yes. Hey John, can you share your social media links for you and your company so people can reach out to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my website uh, is uh, blacklabeladvisor.com. And then you can um, also email me at uh, uh, J-O-N-E-L-D-E-R at blacklabeladvisor.com. And then uh, if you just uh, search Black Label Advisor on Facebook, um, I have a presence there as well. And so listen, we have the links to your social media on the show notes. And you can find the show notes at www.cabinstate12.com. Be sure to share this episode with your friends. And you, you can find the Jason Cabinet experience on most podcast platforms. So John, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you give us any wisdom or advice on any subject you want to talk about? It just related to Amazon, you know, being really diligent and really um, just disciplined with how you're, you know, what you're looking at in terms of, you know, launching a product. And a lot of people get you know, obsessed with uh, data and they had experienced data paralysis. And um, it's really important also to, you know, there's, there's a portion of it, you know, to, to go with your gut a little bit on Amazon. So just uh, pursue your passion and really just focus on, um, you know, how profitable a product is. John, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up.